The rapture is God's promise that He'll return. If you want to learn how to be rapture ready, then be sure to order Dr. David Jeremiah's new book, The Great Disappearance. This fascinating glimpse into the next event on God's prophetic calendar is available for a donation of any amount to Turning Point. Donate $75 and you'll receive The Great Disappearance set. Donate $100 or more and you'll receive a three-book share pack. Get yours today at davidjeremiah.ca. How many events on the prophetic calendar need to happen before the rapture can take place? The answer is likely less than you expect. In fact, it's zero. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah considers just how eminent Christ's return really is and what that ought to mean for the current generation of believers. To introduce today's timely message at any moment, here's David. And thank you for joining us. For Turning Point, we are studying The Great Disappearance, our fall campaign, a brand new book, a lot of resources, and a multitude of uh, visual uh, inserts that are, well, they're being played all over the world now as people come to grips with the fact that Jesus is coming back to take his children home to be with him, and they better be ready. So let me ask you this question. Are you rapture ready? We're going to talk about another aspect of that today as we discuss a subject that is usually referred to as the eminent return of Christ. Now, when somebody says something is eminent, most of us think that means it's going to happen at any moment. But eminence does not mean at any moment. It just means that nothing has to happen before the eminent event takes place. It just means that Christ could come at any time. It doesn't mean that he's going to come tomorrow. The scripture teaches that there's nothing that has to happen before the rapture takes place. And because of that, it's an eminent event. Are you ready? Are you ready if Jesus should come today? That's the question at stake as we speak today about this subject at any moment. Please listen all the way through to the end and I'll tell you how you can get the book, the study guide, and the other materials available with this series. Robert Murray McShane was a brilliant, highly influential pastor and a poet back in the 19th century in Scotland. Unfortunately, he died of typhus shortly before his 30th birthday, and a lot of people said that his potential was wasted. But in those brief 30 years, God used McShane to accomplish more than most of us will ever dream of accomplishing in a lifetime. I mean, he wrote several books. He conducted highly successful evangelistic campaigns. He set up a missionary program to reach the Jewish people in Israel. And I'm told that McShane wore a very special wristwatch on which he had engraved these words, the night cometh. From the scripture, the night cometh when no man can work. And every time he checked his watch, he was reminded that a time was coming when he would no longer be able to spread the news of God's love. And this reminder motivated him to be fervent. For all of us, the night comes. For all of us, there's coming a day when Jesus will return and we will have witnessed our last time to the people that we care about. McShane believed in a phenomenon called eminency. 
a phenomenon that is closely connected to the rapture. In fact, one of the key teachings about the rapture in several places in the scripture is called the doctrine of eminency. Now, when something is eminent, that means it could happen at any moment. There are no barriers that need to be removed or any qualifications that need to be met. An event that is eminent is not necessarily immediate, but it is an event that could come at any moment, at any time. The English word eminent means hanging over one's head, ready to befall, ready to overtake one, close at hand, in incidence. Thus, an eminent event is one that is always ready to occur. Other things may happen before the eminent event, but nothing has to happen. If something has to happen before an event can take place, that event is not imminent. When an event is truly imminent, we never know exactly when it will happen. And many have written about this. An expositor by the name of A.T. Pearson once wrote that eminence is the combination of two conditions, certainty and uncertainty. An eminent event is one which is certain to occur uncertain when. And the Bible tells us that the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ in the event we call the rapture is an eminent event. That means there are no signs that have to be fulfilled. There's no events that have to take place. Jesus Christ could come at any moment. And I want us to really wrap our arms around that today because if we understand that, it changes a lot about how we view the future. Many of us have grown up in the church and we have been taught from the earliest days that Jesus is coming back. But the question we have to ask ourselves when we realize that we have had that opportunity is this. What difference has it made in the way we live? How have we been changed because we believe Jesus is coming back? Maybe for many of us, it's just a doctrinal that we hold. It's just a belief that we all, my parents believe that, their parents believed it, so I believe it. But the Bible wants us to understand the coming again of Jesus in a much more profound way. And the first thing we want to do today is look at some of the passages that teach it. One of them is John 14, 1 through 3. This is a passage that records the words of Jesus just a few days before he went to the cross. And his disciples are very upset because they now are aware of the fact that he's leaving them. And so Jesus said to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, if you read that passage carefully, there are two very important statements. The first one is, I am going to prepare a place for you. What is Jesus doing in heaven? Well, he's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. But don't forget, he's preparing a place for us. He's getting ready to receive us into his home. Now, here's an often forgotten thought. It took seven days for Jesus to create the whole world, and he's been working on our mansion for over 2,000 years. So he must be up to something really special up there, and I can't imagine what it's going to be like. The Bible says, Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. But notice the second thing he said. And if I go to prepare a place for you, 
I will come again and receive you unto myself. That's his promise that he's going to return in the rapture. And notice, there are no preconditions. He doesn't say anything has to happen before that takes place. He just says, I'm going, and when it's time, I'm coming back to get you. That's eminency. Paul said, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not headed toward the tribulation. We're headed toward the rapture. And the rapture will take us to heaven before all of that breaks loose on this earth. You see, the tribulation is a period of time when God pours out his wrath on disobedient Israel. It's a family thing that's going on between God and the Jewish people. There's no record of the church being in the tribulation at all, none whatsoever, because we won't be here. We'll be in heaven. We're going to be in heaven, first of all, at the judgment seat of Christ, and then at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and then worshiping the Lord. And I know we're going to be in heaven because when Jesus comes back the second time, we're in heaven to come back with him. So we're already there, and we're coming back with the Lord to reign on the earth. So the Bible teaches that we should always be ready for the Lord to come, for he could come at any time. Now, this isn't just one little passage of Scripture that I found in some corner of the New Testament. It is the incredible emphasis of the Bible throughout all the New Testament books. And there are many, many passages. Believe it or not, I was an English major. I know. My teachers did their best. But I learned some things in English that have helped me a lot in preaching. First of all, I learned what a participle is. A participle is a word ending in ing that conveys continuous action, like looking, waiting, hoping, living, something you do continually. Then I also learned what an adverb is. An adverb is a word that describes the action of the verb. A verb is an action word. An adverb tells you about the action, like, how are you waiting? I am eagerly waiting. Eagerly is an adverb. So in this list of verses that I'm going to read to you, watch for the adverbs and the participles, and you will see how the Bible conveys to us in the language of the New Testament the imperative of being ready at all times because Jesus is coming back. Now, I'm not going to waste any time. I'm just going to read the important phrases in these verses. Follow along. Luke 21, 28, look up for your redemption draws near. Romans 8, 23, we ourselves groan eagerly awaiting for the adoption, 
1 Corinthians 1, 7, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 2, we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Philippians 3, 20, we eagerly wait for the Savior. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, the Lord comes as a thief in the night. Titus 2, 13, looking for the blessed hope. Hebrews 10, 25, you see the day approaching. James 5, 8, the coming of the Lord is at hand. James 5, 9, the judge is standing at the door. 1 Peter 4, 7, the end of all things is at hand. Revelation 22, 7, behold, I am coming quickly. All of these references tell us that the return of the Lord could happen at any moment. Nothing needs to happen before it happens. He could come while we're sitting in this room today studying the Bible together. The Bible does not give us specific information on the date of the Lord's return. This is wise because by being aware that it could happen any time, we are encouraged to be ready all the time. St. Augustine reportedly once said, the last day is hidden so that every day might be regarded. This is an important day. You know why? Jesus could come back today. Every day should be faced in that way. Now, some of you are saying, but Pastor Jeremiah, this is from the Bible, and the Bible's really an old book, and it's been in the Bible, and he hasn't come back. What's the deal? Is he coming or isn't he coming? Why is he delaying? Why hasn't he come so far? If he says he's coming back, why doesn't he come back? Well, a couple of things you need to know. Number one, Jesus doesn't count time the way we do. In fact, Jesus doesn't count time at all. God doesn't live in time. He created time. Time is something outside of God. God is outside of time. In fact, the Bible says one day is with the Lord like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. So he only said that the first time two days ago, right? Are you with me? All right. And number two, one of the reasons he hasn't come back is because he's waiting for you. He's a long-suffering God, not willing that any should perish, and he delays his return so that more of his children can come to faith. And maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting that the Lord has not come back yet and you still have an opportunity to become a Christian before he comes? So those are the passages that introduce eminency. Now I want to show you some pronouns that are interesting. You know, it's interesting for us to say that the rapture is eminent with us, that we believe today that he could come back at any time. But did you know that Paul believed that himself? Paul believed that Jesus could come back in his time. How do I know that? Just by a couple of pronouns that I read in what Paul wrote. 1 Thessalonians 4:15. We who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. What does that mean? Paul concluded that he himself might see the return of the Lord. He said, we will be caught up. We will be raptured. We are going to go be with the Lord. He believed that in his lifetime, Jesus Christ could come back. You say, Pastor, that just seems so unfortunate that that man would believe that and it didn't happen. No, it's one of the great gifts that God has given to us. To always know that Christ could come at any time. And not to be setting dates or saying that he could come tomorrow or the next day or in 1988 or at the beginning of the new millennium and all of the stuff that people have tried to convey. 
Every day we should know that there's nothing that stands in the way of the Lord Jesus Christ returning to this earth. And we should always be ready. One of my favorite preachers is Charles Swindoll. I've always loved him. I went to school where he went to school. And he's not only a great preacher, but he's a great storyteller. And one of my favorite stories from Charles Swindoll is the story of the man who seemed to always be the first one out the door in the factory where he worked. Every day when the whistle blew, he was out the door. Nobody ever beat him. He always was the first one out. Every day when the whistle blew, he was gone. And one day, one of his friends asked him, son, he said, how is it that you're always the first one out the door? How do you find time to get ready so quick and get out of here? And the man made this statement, a really good statement. He said this. He said, I stays ready to keep from getting ready. That's what we should do when we understand that Jesus Christ is coming back. You won't have time to get ready, so you better stay ready. Stay ready for him to come, because he could come at any moment. And if you're not a Christian, don't play with your future. Don't say, well, it hasn't happened all these years. He's sure not going to come, and I got plenty of time. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. So there are the passages that introduce this subject and some pronouns that insist on it. Notice, thirdly, some parables that illustrate it. In the book of Matthew, Jesus gives some stories. You know, Charles Swindoll is a great storyteller, but he's not quite as good as Jesus. Forgive me for saying that, Charles, but it's true. Neither am I. Jesus was the greatest storyteller who ever walked on this earth. And in order to bring home the importance of his return, Jesus told a bunch of stories. I can't give you all of them, but I'm going to tell you three of the stories that Jesus told. The first one was a story about a house that was broken into by a thief in the middle of the night. And the point that Jesus makes is this. If the master of the house had known what the thief was doing and when he would be coming, he would have watched and kept the theft from occurring. But the master did not know the hour of the day when the theft would occur. How many of you know thieves don't make an appointment? His house was unexpectedly robbed And watch how Jesus concludes the parable after he told the story. He tells the story, and then he tells us what it means. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you do not expect. Just as the thief came and robbed that house, and nobody was ready because they weren't expecting it, Jesus said, Don't you be like that. You be expecting the Lord all the time. Don't be caught up short. He could come at any moment. And then he told another story about two servants who worked for the same master. One of the servants was faithful and the other was unfaithful. And the master of both of these servants goes away and leaves them in charge of his property. The Bible tells us in Jesus' story that the good servant faithfully serves his master and provides food for his master's house. But the unfaithful servant doesn't think the master's coming back. And so he gets drunk, and he beats up on some of his friends, and uh, he doesn't do anything to prepare for the return of the master, certainly doesn't care for his property. And the master comes back and finds both of these servants doing what they were doing, the faithful servant being faithful and the unfaithful servant being unfaithful. And the Bible says... 
that he rewarded the faithful servant and he punished the unfaithful servant. And the master in the parable is like our master in heaven who is coming at an unexpected time. It could be today or tomorrow, this century or the next, but we are always to be waiting and watching and working until he comes. And then there's a third story. This one we know most about. Uh, This is about the wise and the foolish virgins in a Jewish wedding. The parable of Jesus about the ten virgins, five of whom were foolish and five who were wise. And if you know anything about the Jewish wedding, it was a long procession where they had a, a march from the house of where the bride was to the bridegroom, and there was a big parade late at night, and everybody wanted to be involved in the parade. And when the bridegroom came unexpectedly in the middle of the night, the foolish virgins had no oil for their lamps. But the time they purchased it was too late, and they found themselves locked out of the wedding. And the wise virgins had been admitted. Neither group knew when it was going to happen, but one of them got ready, and one group didn't. And this is what Jesus says we should learn from that story. Matthew twenty-five thirteen. Watch, therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Ladies and gentlemen, the whole aspect of eminency is to remind us that the coming of the Lord is certain. The timing of his coming is uncertain. So always be ready. Stay ready to keep from getting ready so that when he comes, you'll be prepared. What does it mean to be ready? First of all, If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you need to accept him now. When he comes, it will be too late. When he comes to take us to heaven in the rapture, if you're not saved, you won't go. You will be left behind. People say, well, can I get saved in the tribulation? It's possible. But the tribulation is a whole different place than where we are right now. In the tribulation, people who get saved, many of them will be killed for their faith, martyred for what they believe. If they don't take the mark of the beast, they will be starved or beheaded. You don't want to go into the tribulation thinking that's your second chance. What is keeping you from getting ready by putting Jesus Christ on the throne of your life? What are you waiting for? And for those of us who are Christians, If we're involved in things that we know are not pleasing to the Lord, we should take care of that. We should get ready by making sure we're living the kind of life we want the Lord to find us living. You know, the Bible says he's going to come and find us just like he found the servants. The people doing well and the people doing bad. I grew up in a very fundamental home. My mom and dad were very strict. We had lots of rules. I don't complain about that because I'm sure they kept me out of trouble and I'm okay with that. Well, one of the things we weren't allowed to do, and some of you will laugh at this, but some of you will remember, we weren't allowed to go to movies. I mean, we weren't even sure television was all right, but movies were strictly not right. Believe it or not, I never went to a movie in my life till I went to seminary. Now think about that for a moment. (laughs) One of the reasons I never went to a movie, even though I could have, It's because whenever I thought about going to a movie, I thought, Jesus will come back while I'm in that movie house, and I'll be caught. I know that was a childish way to think, but you know, that's not a bad way to think either, is it? The Bible tells us that we 
are to live our lives in such a way that Jesus can come back and we won't be embarrassed at his coming. Mm. Amen. Amen. Isn't that a great motivation? We should be aware every day that this could be the day. When we started this campaign, we sent out some really beautiful gift boxes to people who uh, help influence others with messages. And in the gift box was a beautiful glass uh, motto. And inside the motto, it said, perhaps today. That's a watchword for a lot of people, perhaps today. If Jesus should come today, would you be ready? Would you be ready as a Christian? Or are you involved in things that you know you should not be involved in? And would you most of all be ready if you have yet to receive Christ? And the answer to that question is no, you would not be. So whatever you do, make sure today you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You ask him to come and live within your heart. You don't miss an opportunity for him to come and set up his throne room in your life and begin helping you do what you know he wants you to do. He could come at any moment. Hey, there's a beautiful study guide that goes with this series that's on the air, but it organizes all this material for you. So if you don't have this, be sure to go to our website. There you will find all of the Great Disappearance material. And if you haven't received the book yet, it's yours for a gift of any size. All you have to do is send a gift and say, please send me Dr. Jeremiah's new book, The Great Disappearance. I hope you'll do it. And uh, be sure and join us over the weekend on television. Don't forget to come back next Monday when we continue our daily radio study on The Great Disappearance. I'm David Jeremiah. Thanks for listening. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Great Disappearance, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new hardcover book, The Great Disappearance. 31 Ways to Be Rapture Ready. Informative and inspiring. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series, The Great Disappearance, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. For more than 40 years, Dr. David Jeremiah has faithfully preached God's Word. And as the world changes, how the message is delivered expands. Turning Point Plus was created as the next step in our digital broadcast ministry. And it's available instantly when you sign up to support Turning Point with an automatic monthly gift of any amount. Learn more and access more than 12,000 audio and video messages at turningpointplus.org. Christmas will be here before you know it. So now is the time to prepare your heart with a timeless devotional written by Dr. David Jeremiah called Season of Joy. Enter the Christmas season with restored hope, resounding joy, reassuring peace, and renewed faith. This inspirational book is yours for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive a four-pack to share the season of joy with others. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. 
Lord John Morley, who listened to many speeches as a member of the British Parliament, said three things matter in a speech. Who is speaking, how he speaks, and what he says. And of the three, what he says matters the least. After thinking about his observation, I believe he's right. For instance, the Bible clearly suggests that our behavior speaks louder than our words, and even if what we are saying is true, if we don't say it with love, it will be disregarded. So if our talk isn't backed up by our walk and delivered with love, we're just wasting our breath. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover what matters most to God on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.